When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. In Haiti, inauguration day for the new president comes every five years during the first week of February except for glitches, coups, and postponements. This has been the case for more than three decades, but not this year. For an explanation, we turn, of course, to Amy Willens. She's the author of the award-winning books, The Rainy Season, Haiti Since Duvalier, and Farewell Fred Voodoo, A Letter from Haiti, among other books. She was Jerusalem Bureau Chief for The New Yorker. She writes for The Washington Post, The New York Times, and The LA Times. And she's a longtime contributing editor at The Nation. She also teaches in the Literary Journalism Program at UC Irvine. And she was a 2020 Guggenheim Fellow. Amy, welcome back. Thank you, John. Leftists around the world care about Haiti, not just because it's a desperately poor country, but because Haiti had the first slave revolution starting in the 1790s. It was the largest slave uprising since Spartacus. It started as part of the French Revolution, and it established the world's first Black Republic. And Haiti has been punished by France and the United States pretty much ever since. That's why we care about Haiti. Let's start with the historic promise of democracy in modern Haiti, which you date to February 7th, 1986. That's right. And February 7th is the traditional inauguration day. Um, and what happened on that day was that um, after weeks and even months of popular uprisings around the country, not just in the capital, uh, the United States was moved to abandon finally and completely the Duvalier uh, dynasty, um, the 29-year dynasty of Francois Papadoc Duvalier, president for life and his son, Jean-Claude Babydoc Duvalier, President for Life. For Babydoc Duvalier, President for Life was a misnomer. And on February 7th, 1986, he flew out of the country with wife, kids, mom in tow, drove his silver BMW into a C-141 US cargo plane 
and fled to uh, to France. So what was supposed to happen this year on February 7th? Well, as every year, except for many years, a new president would be uh, inaugurated after an electoral campaign and an election. But because uh, President Jovenel Moïse was assassinated on July 7th of this past summer, and then replaced by a de facto prime minister who was unelected, extra constitutional, et cetera, uh, but backed by the United States of America, there was no election held. The new um, prime minister, de facto, uh, Ariel Henry, did not see a way to hold an election, although he promised elections as soon as possible with more than 100 gangs running the country, essentially running the country, holding the means of violence and uh, kidnapping and assassinating at will. First of all, where do we stand right now on the search for the assassins? Well, it's an interesting story. Um, in the immediate aftermath of the assassination, uh, about 40 Colombian mercenaries, apparently whose presence had not been noted yet by the forces of order, the police of Haiti or the government of Haiti or anyone, um, were arrested almost immediately. They had no exit plan. They didn't really seem to be involved completely in the assassination since they had no way of getting out. Um, and then there were a series of arrests and um, revelations culminating most recently in um, a big New York Times piece in which one of the suspects in the assassination, who was at the time on the lam, revealed to the New York Times in a parking lot in an unnamed country that the de facto prime minister at this moment, supported by the U.S. government, was possibly an accomplice in the assassination and was in touch with the main suspect in the assassination, still a person still unarrested uh, somewhere in the world. So there is a kind of sort of Damocles hanging over this de facto prime minister. And the de facto prime minister, Ariel Henry, as you said, <clears throat> said he wants to take the country to elections as soon as possible. But you say the Haiti he rules is no country for elections. No, it really is no country for elections right now. I mean, one of the saddest things was, if my listeners remember, when they uh, when the U.S. Um, deported maybe thousands of Haitians uh, to a country where they were not deporting anyone because it was so irregular and dangerous that they had told the temporary protected status people in the United States that they had to remain, well, that they could remain because the U.S. could not, according to its human rights standards, send them back to Haiti. But it deported all these other people back to Haiti. In fact, Haitians who hadn't lived in Haiti in maybe five or 10 years and who were just trying to get into the U.S., because they thought the Biden administration would be friendlier to them than the Trump administration. Instead, they were deported and they couldn't get from the point of arrival in Haiti to wherever it was they were hoping they were going to land in Haiti to you know, live because the roads are too dangerous. They can't get through. The gangs are too dangerous. The gangs will see them. The gangs will know that the U.S. gave each one of them $10 and they'll be kidnapped or just shot in a robbery. Um, equally, uh, oil uh, deliveries to Haiti were stopped twice in recent months by the gangs, and the gangs control the road into the capital. So effectively, they stopped the country from running, no doubt, you know, holding someone sort of uh, hostage through this 
um, stopping of the oil. They can stop anything. They hijack cars going to hospitals. They assassinate nurses. You can't go voting in that country. You'll just be uh, shut up. So no one will vote in an election. And in fact, it's been, I don't even see that Ariel Henry has tried to reach elections. And I don't know that he could if he tried because Haitians don't believe in him. They don't trust him. And now they think that he was a party to the assassination of Jovenel Moïse. Much as they didn't like Jovenel Moïse, that's not acceptable. So without elections, how is the battle for control of Haiti being fought? Well, I mean, I've talked about these people before, and I will talk about them again until the United States moves to abandon Ariel Henry and let this movement go forward. And that's a movement of, it's called the Commission for a Haitian Solution to the Crisis, a very unwieldy name. It's known mostly by the name of the accord it signed with all of its many various members who represent I would say several thousand Haitian people. Um, it's called the Montana Accord that they signed because it's named after the Hotel Montana in Haiti. So the, the commission is a, an umbrella group, a consensus group sort of pushed by the United States to accept um, even less progressive people than they might want to originally have accepted under their umbrella, but they've done it. And they have a plan, a written out plan for moving forward. And they started before the assassination, months before the assassination of Jovenel, because Jovenel also was someone who it was accept, unacceptable to go forward to elections with because you couldn't trust the election, who would come out and vote. It's the same situation it is now. It's not a manageable situation. The people who are running the country were criminals under Jovenel, and they're still criminals under Ariel Henry. And uh, the commission is sitting there with all these plans. They just elected, you know, selected, you could say. They had 40 members uh, in the commission who were chosen to go forward and vote uh, among several candidates for uh, an interim president and an interim prime minister to lead the country to elections. And they elected them. They're perfectly respectable, unsullied persons. And the commission is largely made of unsullied, respectable people who actually might care about Haiti. I mean, there may be deals going on under the table. I don't know. But this is something that is an alternative and it's not a horrible alternative. The United States somehow gets to decide who rules Haiti. It seems like the United States, at least right now, continues to support Ariel Henry rather than the plans of the Commission for a Haitian Solution to the Crisis. They chose Ariel, actually, Dr. Henri, I should call him. They chose him over the person who had been prime minister when Jovenel was shot. It's complicated, but let's just simplify it by saying there was one person who had been fired by Jovenel. And then there was Ariel Henri, who had been appointed by uh, Jovenel. But then Jovenel was killed before Ariel Henri took office. So there was the other guy who he had fired was still in office and the United States said, no, we're taking Ariel Henry. And since that moment when they made Ariel Henry de facto and, and announced it through their embassy and the embassies of what is called the core group friends, or you might call them enemies of Haiti, um, <laughs> Ariel has been the de facto prime minister. And there he is. But I think the reason they stick with Ariel Henry is he was there 
at the time of the assassination, ready to take office. Then he took office, they supported him, and he's one guy, they can manage one guy. One guy, they can tell him what to do, they can stop him from doing what they don't want him to do, they can order him to make a consensus government, but that won't really be consensus because they don't like that. And with the um, commission, it's a huge umbrella group of actual Haitians representing the actual Haitian people. It's a democratic institution. They don't like democracy, especially <laughs> when it's a democracy that's going to be voted in by a, a population they don't trust. And you tell me why they don't trust the democratic will of the Haitian people, because black lives don't matter to the U.S. government. And they don't they never trusted them when they voted in Aristide, who was voted in in the only free and fair election in 1989. The, the U.S. couldn't stand it and had to, you know, green light a coup against him. They, they had two coups against him. <laughs> and it's astonishing. And this time, I think they're afraid of the progressive nature of the commission, which is not allied with Aristide. The commission does have some support in Congress. There is a Haiti caucus in the House. It's not huge. It's founded and chaired by congressmen from Michigan named Andy Levin. Most of the members are black. And they support the Commission for a Haitian Solution. What do you know about the Haiti caucus in the House? They've been very good and they've been really pro-democratic. You know, that could always change, I guess. But they seem to be really great. Andy Levin, and I really like him. He says the right things about Haiti, according to me. Um, he's been against Ariel Henry for a long time. We don't understand why Henry is staying in power, why he wants to be even in power. But I'm sure there are many good reasons to be in power in Haiti. And the rest of the caucus seems to, you know, get together and and support the right things. But how much power they have, I don't know. The Black Caucus has has supported them and the Caribbean Caucus in the Congress equally. So we'll see. But, you know, they send letters to Blinken and Biden and nobody seems to pay much attention to their point of view. One reason for Ariel Henry to stay in power is as prime minister de facto or not, he seems to have some kind of executive privilege and not to be prosecutable. That would be a reason to stay in power. But but if the evidence does show that Ariel Henry was part of the assassination plot, the United States will have to turn elsewhere. And do you have any idea what plan B for Biden and Blinken is? I think plan B may, may be plan 1A, like there's Ariel Henry and then there's the commission. I don't see um, a third way for the administration. So, and I know that they've been talking to the commission, the U US representatives, not congressmen, but representatives from the US government and others who are uh, confidants of the US government in Haiti. And and they, they I know that the U.S. pushed them to sign uh, sign on some former senators that they really didn't maybe have that much interest in having on board, but now they're on board too, and that's I think it's good, even if those guys I don't really trust completely. I think it's good to cover a swath of of the political class too. But I don't know that the Americans feel comfortable. It might explode in their face. Whereas, as I say, you know one guy you can pretty well control, but it's gonna be embarrassing if while they're controlling him and supporting him, 
he's then charged in the assassination. But they may be able, I regret to say this, but they may be able to control that too. And there's one other potential force here. The Haitian people, they seem powerless victims of all this right now, but does it have to be that way? Well, let's go back to the original February 7th. On that February 7th, without the, um, there's a word in French, debout, that's when you stand up, um, without them rising to protest against Duvalier, you know, it could be that little Nicolas Duvalier, who is grand baby doc, might be in power right now. In fact, he may rise to power at some point. He's in Haiti right now. But, you know, without the protests, Duvalier would have stayed for longer. So, but it depends whether the commission has the popular will behind it. It's it's hard to rise up when you're in poverty and frightened of the gangs and you don't want to come out, you have to rise up en masse. And we're waiting to see if that might happen, but it might not happen. And when I say we, I don't mean me. (laughs) But one is waiting to see what will happen there. You know, um, the poverty is so intense and so obdurate and so immovable and awful right now in Haiti. And, you know, there's no electricity. You can't send your kids to school when you think it's time for them to be in school. You just can't do it. it it's, it's really awful. Plus, there's a, an illegitimate government in power. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think after looking at the options, which are not, you know, myriad, um, the United States is eventually, and I hope sooner rather than later, like before the midterms, I hope they're going to, and I believe they will, switch parties and and support the commission. I believe that there are a lot of negotiations going on. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I sense. And I think they'll do the right thing because the right thing will finally appear to them to be the only thing to do. Amy Willens, she wrote about Haiti most recently for the LA Times. Amy, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks so much, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.